Well, we're continuing on the idea of grace and peace, and uh, forgive me, it is far more than an idea. Um, incredible truths and um, power from God, His grace and His peace. Um, let's go ahead, and this is our sixth week on this. I'm going to wrap up this series. How many of you know, but by wrap up, I do not mean that we have exhausted the subject. We are not, we are in no way done, um, but we're going to close off this series today. And then next Sunday, you're going to want to be here. This is very important. I'm going to be sharing with you about vision. And uh, in particular, why do we do some things we do to remind ourselves of those things? I feel that's very important. And then to cast some vision for some things of where we're going in this next year. Very exciting, very important. And, and uh, the people need to hear and see vision so that they can run with it, as the scripture says. And some very exciting things ahead. Um, I think we've been tasting of some things just in recent months. We had an incredible year in so many ways. And, um, you know, we're, we're, it pays to just follow God. I'll just tell you that. And I believe that he's leading us into some very exciting things. So you'll want to be here for that uh, next week. Let's go ahead and pick up in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And verse 2 says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this combination, this passage is found numerous times in the New Testament. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And just real quick, part of the takeaway that you've got to have out of this is, first of all, you are the object of grace. And you are the recipient of God's peace. And you have every reason to rejoice. Uh, say this with me. I am the object, am the object of God's grace. God's grace. I, am I am the recipient of God's peace. God's peace. I, have I have every reason to rejoice. And those are some good points to come back and focus on day by day, I'm telling you, because um, without His grace and without His peace, you're going to wither. You will wither in life. There's so many things that are happening um, you know, on the micro level and on the macro level at your address and worldwide, we've got to have his grace and his peace. I want to touch on one thing by way of review, and then we're going to get into some new territory here this morning. Grace is, is of course, it's God's um, undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor that just because he's good and he's God and he's loving, he pours out on us. We cannot, we cannot earn it. We do not deserve it. It's a free flow expression of his love toward us. And, and as one of the definitions I've read to you in recent weeks, the only motive, the only motive is his bounty and his benevolence. It's not a performance thing. It's not a, a behavior thing. It, it is just God in his goodness pours out his grace upon us. All right, let's close in prayer and go look at trains. No. Um, and that's just a powerful thing. And it manifests in a lot of different ways, His grace. It manifests in love. Aren't you glad for that? And it manifests in forgiveness. Aren't you glad about that? But if that's all it is, if, if His grace, and a lot of people, even some things I read, I could tell that the, the author, you know, certain books and articles, different things related to this, um, they only saw grace as love and forgiveness. And if you only see grace as love and forgiveness, I think you end up stuck in this law cycle of trying to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law that I've got to perform to a certain level and then I can get God's grace. 
other than that, or then I'll be able to succeed. Then things will work out, out for me because all God's grace is, is just love. He loves me and I keep messing up and he forgives me because he loves me. Well, that leaves, that leaves you in this vicious, vicious cycle. We talked about last week that the standard of the law, you and I cannot attain that. We keep failing. Come on, we fail. So we fail and then we, we, well, let me back up. We try and then we fail and then we get forgiveness and then we try harder. Everybody say try harder because that's the cycle we end up in. And so, you know, we try harder and then we try harder. And what do we do again? We fail. And so what do we got to do? Let's, let's go get some more forgiveness. And then the only recourse is what? Try harder or quit. But see, there's another aspect of grace, and I think it's probably the fuller aspect of grace, and it's that grace helps us. Grace helps us. And we have this grace unearned, undeserved, that will help us in life. It will help us to overcome. It will help us in natural ways. It will help us in supernatural ways. And I want to make sure that you're thinking about grace as not just being love and not just being forgiveness. And thank God it's both. But also knowing that it is God helping us as well. Can you say amen this morning? Grace is for salvation and grace is for life. Grace is by, uh, uh, let me, let me back up. Salvation rather. Salvation is by grace alone. Salvation is through faith alone. And salvation is in Christ alone. So it's his grace, faith in that, in Christ. That's the only way to have salvation. Not only is that the only way to have salvation, that's the only way really to have his help in life. So grace helps us in salvation and in life. So again, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But we have a hard time with that. We're still trying to earn it. Come on, church. We're still trying to earn it. We're trying to work this out. We still feel unworthy in all of this. We struggle with this whole concept of this being undeserved, unearned. Why would anybody give me something unearned, undeserved? We have a hard time with that. And we're cynical of that because people around us, even the season that we're in right now, you're going to hear all kinds of blockbuster deals too good to be true. And guess what they are? Too good to be true. But see, God, that he would be good to us, that he would save us, that he would pour out his love, his forgiveness, his help. And we don't deserve that. We can't earn that. There's not some special checklist that we've got to go through to make that happen. We struggle with that. We struggle with that. So then we end up asking questions like this, saying things like this. It can't be that easy. There's... There's something wrong with this. It just can't be that easy. This is not really fair. It lets folks off too easy. It goes too light on folks. Now, we like it when it comes our way. But we see, we see it happen for others. Forgive them. Forget it. You know, God's going light on them. We, we love it when it comes our way. But we have a hard time when it goes the other way. And then we have all these what about questions. Well, what about obedience? And what about disobedience? And what about motive? And, and, and all of these things. And... And we do this because we struggle with the concept of undeserved, unearned favor and grace from God. So you know what we end up trying to do? We tend to try to amend it. We we tend to try to alter it and reformulate it and subtract something from it and add something to it. And we want people to qualify for grace. Did you hear that? 
We want people to qualify for grace. We want people to somehow uh, deserve grace. Guess what? Then it's not grace. Then it's not grace. As soon as you start to shave off anything or add anything to grace, it is no longer grace. You know what it is? It's almost grace. Almost grace is almost, is, is like almost true. If something is almost true, it isn't. And so grace, if we try to add on to it, it's not grace. If we try to take away from it, it's not grace. And so what we have to do is understand and, and embrace that God in his love that is far above us, far beyond what we can understand, far beyond how we do human relationships. God has this unmerited favor and love toward us and thank God for it. Now to look at this a little bit uh, further, let's look here in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Let me read the first three verses. Watch these carefully. Let me just throw this in. Y'all here? One of the keys to understanding the Bible and getting a lot more out of it. You ready for this? Read it slow. And pay attention. This will blow your mind. And pay attention to the words. Okay? That'll that'll blow your mind. Uh, Let's read here. Luke 15, verse 1 through 3. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to Jesus, to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man, speaking of Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So in response, Jesus, he spoke this parable to them. And actually he goes on to share three parables or stories. We'll touch on that in a minute. The... The back side of this is this. He's about to share three parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And he's making a point, but why is he making a point? Why is he responding in this way? Here's what he's responding to. You ready for this? The, watch me. You've got you to see this. The, the good people want to know why Jesus is hanging out with the not-so-good people. Do you get that? The good people. Be careful you're not one of them. I'm serious. The good people want to know why Jesus is hanging out with the not-so-good people. Now, if you look at this carefully, look at the wording, watch. The not-so-good people are drawn to Jesus. Listen to this. Listen to this. The people that were nothing like Jesus like Jesus. I'll say it again because I don't think you got it. The people who were nothing like Jesus. He's holy. He's awesome. He's focused on the will of God. The people who are nothing like Jesus. Like Jesus. Pastor Andy, Andy Stanley says this. He said, the church is most attractive when grace is apparent and the church is most effective when grace is emphasized. I want to say it again. The church is most attractive when grace is apparent and the church is most effective when grace is emphasized. You know why? Listen to this. Because real grace here is inviting. It's very inviting 
You got, you got to watch me. I got some more quotes for you, okay? Grace is very inviting to the unrighteous. But watch this. But it's very threatening to the self-righteous. I want to say that one again. Grace is very inviting to the unrighteous. And it's very threatening to the self-righteous. So Jesus sees all this. The good people. The church people. These self-righteous people are having a hard time. They're complaining because Jesus is hanging out with some not so good folks. So Jesus said, listen up, I've got a couple of stories I'll tell you. And he, he launches into these three parables. I won't go into all of them right now. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and then he comes to the lost son. You also know it as the, the parable of the prodigal son. But upon closer observation, I want to rename it. I think it's the parable of the loving father. It's a loving father. I think that's really the bigger story. Now, how many of you are pretty familiar with the parable of the prodigal son, lost father? Pretty much. Okay, I'm going to kind of cover it. It's in Luke chapter 15, and um, you can read it later, but I just, I just want to touch on a few things. The story essentially is this, and it's a parable. Jesus sets it up. He says there's a father, and he has two sons, and the younger son says, Dad, I want my inheritance. I want it now before you die. I don't want to go through all that stuff. I want it now. And so the dad gives it to him, takes a couple of days, packs up all his stuff and uh, makes some reservations and takes the money and he goes off into a far land. And while he's in the far land, all he does is live wild. He lives riotous living and he wastes all that he has. And then when he runs out of money, he runs out of friends. The party is over. And then a, a plague, a famine came to that land where he was at. So you be careful. Party land can go south in a hurry, okay? And so he's out there and now famine comes to the land and he looks for work and the only work that he can find is feeding pigs. And and it's striking again that this little Jewish young man is feeding pigs. And he comes to himself there and he says, I'm going to go home. He said, because I, this is horrible. I'm dying out here. I'm, I'm feeding pigs and nobody give me anything to eat. And he said, Either, e- even my father's servants are better off than this. And I'm not worthy to be his son anymore. I'm going to go home and maybe he'll let me be a servant. So he heads home and the father, the loving father is looking every day. He's got a shotgun and a machete. He's daring that boy, don't even step on my property. How many of you know I just changed the story? Okay, because... Some of y'all don't know the story. And you're like, really? (laughs) Then what? No, every day he's just looking. He's just longing. He's just looking and longing and waiting. And he sees him. This is significant. He sees him a long ways off. And the father runs to him, falls on him, kisses him on the neck. And he calls for all these things to come. He said, go get a robe. Put the robe on. Significant. I mean, this is. He's putting honor back on him. Go get the ring, the family ring. Put it on his finger. Get some shoes for his feet and fire up the grill and kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a cookout, folks. And they're going to celebrate and there's going to be singing and there's going to be dancing. Okay? So you with me? Well, then a couple of things start to happen. First of all, let's look at the three characters in here. First of all, you got the younger rebellious son. The younger rebellious son just talked about him. His name is Goofus. 
And then you got the older, watch this, got some more quotes for you. Got the older rule keeper brother. His name's Gallant. How many of you remember children's highlights? Okay, anyway. Um, so you've got younger rebellious, you've got older rule keeper brother, and then you've got a loving father. And so the younger son comes home and the father gives him totally what he does not deserve. He has ruined his life. He's damaged himself. He's wasted everything. And he comes back and he says, I don't even deserve to be your son. And the father just lavishes all this stuff on him in his grace. Okay, everybody say grace. In his grace. And so he totally gives him what he did not deserve. What is that called? That's called that's called grace. Totally gave him what he did not deserve. And understand this. Both brothers are confused by this. Younger rebellious brother, Goofus. He's confused by this because he's saying, you know, I'm not even worthy to be your son. And you've given me like the family crest and the robe and, and all of these things. He's confused by it. Older rule keeper brother, he's confused by it. Because what on earth? What on earth are you giving him all this? I'm not going in that house. I'm not a part of this party. I kept all the rules. I never got a party. And so, you know, both of them are confused by this. I think the father probably is concerned that, that both of them are reluctant to celebrate at first. If you'll notice, too, the father went out for both the sons. He went out for the rebellious one. He went out for the stubborn rule keeper one. And, you know, I want you to be careful in all this, too, because I always try to find myself in a story like this. And I'm kind of both those guys. Come on, aren't you? I mean, aren't you goofus and sometimes you're gallant? And the sons are focused. Now follow this. The sons are focused on what they each deserve. So this is called behavior. This is called performance. And they're both focused on performance and on behavior. Okay? Bookmark. So are you. It is so stuck in our Christianity. We, we're, we're stuck. I can't pray. I can't go to church. Can't read because I messed up. Because this didn't go right. And because I didn't keep a holy attitude. And I said something I shouldn't have. And thought something I should and, and so performance, behavior. And it has its place. And we'll get to it in a minute. But we're talking about grace. We're talking about, about the great big door that opens up called God's grace. There's a backside to all this. We'll get to that in a moment. But we're saying, I can't go in the door because I, I was goofus. I can't go in the door because I did this, thought this, should have done that, whatever. And so these guys are stuck on, they're focused on behavior. They're focused on behavior. The, the younger rebellious son, he's, he's thinking, I, I have been so bad. I have blown this so bad. I don't even deserve to be your son. I'm hoping I'll even get put on to be just a, a servant. And so he's focused on behavior. I, I'm no longer worthy. The older rule keeper brother, he's focused on behavior. He's saying he is not deserving anything. I am deserving more than I have gotten. And what are they basing all of that on? They're basing it on behavior. They're basing it upon performance. Here's what the father is focused on. He's focused on the fact that his son came home. The door's open. He's focused on the fact that his son came home. Now listen to me. And you got to think like the father got on this. The father. Y'all with me? The father is not distressed about the rebellion. 
And he's not impressed by the rule keeping. His whole attitude is just grace. Do you hear that? He's not distressed at your rebellion. Doesn't approve of it. Saw it coming. But he's not distressed. And he's not, you ready for this? He's not impressed with your rule keeping. And you be careful if you're a rule keeper. Because in your rule keeping, you'll tend to judge others. And want to deny them what is undeserved to them and give them what they do deserve. And you'll also reveal something about yourself. And let me take just a moment to do this. He said, Dad, I'm not going into that party. Remember, he refused to go into the celebration. He heard the singing. He heard the dancing. He said, I'm not going in. Are you kidding me? The way he behaved, he does not deserve this. And, he, and his father comes out and says, come on in. He said, is it wrong that we make merry because my son who is lost is found and my son who is dead lives again? He said, am I wrong to celebrate that? Just get the big door of grace open. And he goes, I'm, I'm not coming in. He said, because you know what? He took all your money. Watch this carefully. He goes, and he went and he spent it all on prostitutes. Now, hold on. Where did he get that? Where did he get that? Because we don't, it didn't say that. It just said riotous living. Here's what you do. You give yourself away when you judge other people. Because what he just says, I'll tell you what, if I rebelled and had a lot of money. That's what he said. And that's why Jesus says, shh. Don't judge people. So when you judge people, you're going to give yourself away. And Paul said, the moment you start to judge other people, what you're judging about, you reveal is a problem with you. So folks, get out of the judging business because we're not qualified. And so whether, yeah. Should be a whole lot more about the grace business. Yeah, but people, behavior and misbehavior and obedience. I know, rule keeper. Hang on, we'll get there. Let's look at something here. We keep wanting reasons. We keep needing reasons why God should love us. And then we keep finding reasons why he shouldn't. Because our behavior. I want to say something and I want you to get this. If you get nothing else this morning, get this. He could not love you more. And he will never love you less. It's not about you. It's about him. He could not love you more. And some of you, that's hard for you to even receive. Are you kidding? Do you know where I've been? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what's inside of me? Listen, it's not about your behavior. It's not about your performance. He could not love you more. And he will never love you less. Thank God, thank God, thank God. All right, for all the rule keepers in the house now. We can't earn grace. We don't deserve grace. But listen, and this is reality. But we can and should respond properly to grace. Nowhere are we authorized to live a passive, careless Christian life. I want us to look 
Uh, let me just relate it to you for the sake of time. In John chapter 8, Jesus is teaching. He's there in the middle of a bunch of people, and all of a sudden, the rule keepers, here they come again. Scribes and Pharisees found a woman who's a rule breaker. And they caught her in the very act of adultery. And they come and the Greek intimates that they threw her down in front of him. This is always my question. She was caught in the very act of adultery. Where's the guy? Okay, just a question. And they said, Jesus, the law says that this, the law, everybody say the law, law. performance, behavior. The law says this rule breaker, because she broke the rules, uh, the other rules say we're to throw rocks at her and kill her. That's the rules. What do you say? And Jesus knelt down and he wrote in the sand. Doesn't say what he wrote, but I happen to know what he wrote. He wrote two different times. First time he wrote this. Where's the dude? That's what he wrote. And then they kept asking him, come on, the law says this, this lady, we caught her, broke the rules. What are you going to do? And they were trying to trap him with the whole thing because this whole law thing, what are you doing bringing grace in on law? They're trying to catch him in something and he just writes some more. And the second thing he wrote, you ready for this? He says, so you want to make this about behavior, do you? So he stood up and he says, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. You're right. The law says you break the law, then this is what you're going to get. You're right. So we're going to do it. You ready? And this is how we're going to do it. The one among you who's without sin, the best rule breaker or or rule keeper, you get to go first. And it pricked their hearts and they all stood there. And and the Bible says that one by one, starting with the oldest, because it seems like with age comes wisdom. You lose some speed, but you get smarter. Okay. All right. Can I get an amen? Okay. <laughs> and it says one by one, oldest from the youngest, they just turned and said, I, I don't qualify. I can't throw a rock. So they leave. Finally, everybody's left. And the only two left, ready, is the rule breaker lady and Jesus. And understand this. Jesus was the only one allowed to still be there because he's the only one who could throw the rock. He's the only one without sin. But get this, get this, get this. Jesus was full of, John 1, 14 says Jesus was full of grace and truth. Everybody say grace and truth. Grace. He's full of grace and truth. And so this is what he did. Jesus, full of grace and truth, gave her both. He gave her grace and he gave her truth. He said, woman, where are your accusers? And he says, is there none that condemn you? And she said, Lord, there's none. And get this. This is grace statement. He says, then neither do I condemn you. And then here's his truth statement. Go and sin no more. Let me rephrase it for you. It's grace and truth for you, for me. Grace and truth for us. We have blown it. We can't keep the law. 
You can be the rebel or you can try to be the rule keeper. And you're not going to be able to do it. And we've got to get the big doors of grace open to all of us. That's the beginning of it all. And he, he, he wasn't distressed by your rebellion. He saw your rebellion coming. And he's not impressed with your rule keeping because he knows how limited that is. Because on your best day and on my best day, the best we can say is we're inconsistent. And so he says, neither do I condemn you. And then here's the truth statement updated to our current vernacular. Neither do I condemn you, but cut it out. And you say, well, I didn't commit adultery. Yeah, but you lie and you're greedy and you're prejudiced and you're proud and you gossip. And you got all the other stuff going on. Yeah, but I didn't do that. Well, hush your mouth, rule keeper. Because we are all in the same boat. None of us deserve his grace. And we can't earn it. So thank God for his grace. But then listen to me. None of us are authorized then to live a passive, careless Christian life. You have walked and tasted of grace. Now you must walk and live in truth. Truth. Grace will set you free. Truth will keep you free. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Romans 2, 4 in the New Living says this, don't you know that it's the kindness of God that causes you to turn from your sin? Hey, grace is not opposed to effort. You say, well, you know, hey, it's unearned. We shouldn't try. We should just do whatever. No, receive his grace Walk in his truth. Receive his grace. Walk in his truth. And I believe this, that if you'll partake of grace and truth, you will have in your life grace and peace. You are the object. Hold on. You are the object of God's grace. You are the recipient of God's peace. You have every reason to rejoice. But just as we rejoice over the grace, let's make sure we commit ourselves to walking in his truth. You come to know the truth and the truth will set you free. I say to you this morning, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get anything at all out of this today?